So when I was 26 years old, I opened my phone and learned via text message that one of my best friends from high school, John, had drank nine Long Islands and then shot himself in the head. Now, I will spare you guys the sordid details of my life in that immediate aftermath, but I will say this. Um, I quit my job. I was having a hard time focusing, and I was also having a hard time getting dressed in the morning. And I spent a lot of time driving down to Homer where I would lay on my mom's couch and bemoan my own existence. Um, and I was taking these UAA online classes and they would video conference in, or I would video conference in. And so I would pause the stream, dash off screen really quick, guzzle a white Russian, and then hop back in like nothing had even happened. And if I had to characterize my life at that time in just one way, I would say it was like being in a black and white movie. And there was no joy, there was no sorrow, there was no sound, there was no nothing. It was just me dragging myself through the reality that I was still here, and I was just barely making it. But I'll never forget the exact moment when the colors started to come back into my life. I was by myself, and I was on the beach in Homer at a little fire that I had made. And it was springtime, so the mountains were still covered in snow, and it was sunset, so the sky was lit to this brilliance of orange. And I looked out across the silver blue of Kachemak Bay, and for the first time in as long as I could remember, I felt really lucky to be alive. And on the other side of that sense of gratitude was the understanding that my friend was never going to get to feel that way again. And I stood up, and I walked down to the edge of the water, and it's going to sound weird now, but I put my hand in. And something about the extremity of that coldness just shocked me awake to the world, and everything just came in on me. How temporary this all is, how lucky I am, how impassive the world is, and how unfair. And I started to cry. And these were not cute, polite tears. These were like hysterical snot on shirt, mystery snot on shirt afterwards, kind of like, <sighs> and they went on for a while. <laughs> um, when I was, I couldn't do that anymore. I stood up and I promised myself that if John at such a young age had effed up his shot at living a rich, good life, that I was going to live one for him. The only problem was I really didn't know how to do that. I certainly wasn't living a good life at the moment, and I wasn't even totally clear on what that meant to me. But um, I love problem solving, and I like to understand things, so I thought, I got this. I drove back to Anchorage, where I was living at the time, and the first thing I did when I got there was to swear off romantic relationships. Now, this was a big deal for me. I had been a serial monogamist my whole adult life, so it's kind of like coming off the sauce. Um, <laughs> and just to prove to myself that unlike all the other times, this time I was serious about this, I stopped shaving my armpits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I started eating a really clean and healthy diet and exercising, and I was listening to Beyonce's track a lot, Love on Top. She's like, finally I put my love on top, but I was thinking about myself. <laughs> Um, and finally I got this job working on an organic farm in Fairbanks and I thought this is my Yahtzee move I'm going to go up there, I'll be removed from all my routines and my um, entrenched habits and I'm going to start from scratch I'm going to define clearly what it means to me to live a good life and <clears throat> I got up to Fairbanks and it was an amazing summer to be up there. It, it wasn't smoky at all for once and it was in the 90s almost every day. 
And I was living in this tiny little one-bedroom cabin down a little footpath across from Hayway. And um, I can still remember with so much clarity how much uh, I could smell the Labrador tea wafting in underneath the door. And there was no electricity or water. So I would stay up late reading poetry to my dog until we were both crying. And, um, <laughs> and I can still remember it sounded so loud when I would turn on the propane range in the morning, that off-grid silence, the contrast was really sharp. And, you know, I felt lucky every day that summer in Fairbanks. I, I was totally on the knife edge of life, and um, it was exactly in opposition to my immediate aftermath reaction to John's death. Um, but, you know, I hadn't had any kind of Yahtzee insights yet, and I was starting to get a little bit worried. But um, by the time October rolled around, it was raining almost every day. And so I put on my Grundens, and uh, we dug up the potatoes, and we snipped down the kale leaves, and we harvested the broccoli crowns, and we pulled up all the carrots. And after that, I went to Planet Fitness, and I showered like five days of farm filth off myself and just this giant brown slurry off my body down the white tile drain. And then I went back to my little cabin in the woods, and I loaded everything I owned back into this crappy little 1993 black Honda Civic that I was driving at the time. And, uh, you know, I put my dog in the front seat, and we started to drive home again. And I'll... Never forget coming through Broad Pass on that drive home. The snow, the first snow of the season had just fallen, so the mountains were completely sheathed in white, and the valley floor was just lit up into a brilliance of red. And I was listening to Boney Vare's track over and over and over again. Um, the one Skinny Love, you guys might know it. Come on, Skinny Love, just last a year. And it was like the, the perfect track for that moment in my life. I was so happy that I had gone to Fairbanks. I had had such an amazing summer, and I was so sad um, to be leaving, and I was so happy to be coming home to Anchorage where I had a community and a life, but I was so sad that I hadn't had this kind of cleanly marked uh, definition of what it meant to me to live a good life. I hadn't had any kind of Yahtzee insight. I hadn't had a come-to-Jesus moment up in Fairbanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, you know, time is a funny thing, and it has been almost four years since then, maybe more, and I can see with so much clarity now that that summer, it wasn't a failure at all, um, because I don't think our job is to understand what it means to live a good life, period. Um, the brain is a plastic organ, and the only constant in life is change, and instead, I think it's just our job to show up every day and to trust that down there in the darkness and the decomposition and the mystery and the depths through which we cannot yet see, um, there is something beautiful and mysterious and wonderful happening. And our job is just to show up and trust every day that from that darkness, soon there will pour the greatest light our lives have ever known. Thank you.